Derek Tart. They're going to eat. They're going to push the pocket a little bit, I think. And it's going to force the rat out of the cage. It's the job of those ends to keep the rat in the cage. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. You can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, welcome back to Boomba's Pizza here in Spring Hill. How are you? I'm as well as I can be. Mm -hmm. I was telling you right before the show, if there was anywhere in the world that I would want to watch tonight's thursday night football game it's got to be at boombas i mean oh you mean the chicago bears and the washington commanders indeed, live on indeed. thursday night in prime time against our wills yes yeah uh, dreadful game honestly it's just as dreadful as the weather outside i'm looking outside right now it, the weather it is, is reflecting that it is not looking game. too happy outside so you know it, it's a great day though you know to be i'll tell you Boom what Boss. it is it's the kind of game that makes you want to drink and that luckily helps. here at boombas they have a fantastic selection of local and domestic brews on tap. We love trying new varieties, new flavors every time we're here. No shortage of options for every flavor palette. They also do pretty good pizza. Craft Pizza and Tap House is the name of this place. And Boomba's does fantastic, fantastic pizza. Four-time winners at the Las Vegas International Pizza Expo and the only pizza company in America to be able to say that they have won best new pizza in the country twice they make such good pizza i didn't get the pizza last time i was here jt because i need i felt like i needed a break you got it I, for your wife though. I, I did i the, did the I loving did. husband for, that you are you you brag <laughs> uh yeah flex my wife um my wife my wife i i didn't get the pizza because i was afraid i'd get burnt out mm. and that was a mistake because the very next day i was already craving it again i see and so okay. I, it's been six consecutive days now and i told you before we started the show Let's get this over with so I can get some of this pizza because I'm hungry and I want this pizza. We do have to talk about the Titans. We get to talk about the Titans. Beforehand, we're going to talk all things Titans-Colts, their first divisional game. Huge matchup. Plenty to get into in terms of the implications, the matchup. We've got the news with producer JT a little bit later with some interesting, I'd say the most interesting injury report of the year on both sides of the ball. And then the best bet gauntlet rolls on JT. We continue our blazing 68% clip that is frankly disgusting, unheard of, unfair. We're pretty good at this so far. And if you, as I've said for the past two weeks, pretty much, if you're not betting with the best bet gauntlet, you're not trying to make money as a better because it's all we're doing is making money right now. So all of those good things to come. If you're tuning in with us live today, appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out with us. We would like you to do two quick things. One, if you could go to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube and subscribe. Okay, I, I am now, I am, I am arresting you in the name of digital law, throwing you into the digital county prison. And you, you, may, you may post bail by going and subscribing to Broadway Sports Media right now. That is, that is the way that you get out of jail. There's so many of you that listen and are not subscribed. And I don't know what you're doing. Apparently, you think it costs you something to subscribe. It is, in fact, free. All it does is help us. And if you listen to the show, you must like us at least a little bit. So if you want to make us happy, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get those numbers up on Broadway Sports Media YouTube account. So go over there, watch the show from there, make sure you're subscribed, and then be a friend, tell a friend, send a link, uh, or, or hit that like button if you're on, on Twitter or Facebook, hit that retweet button. We appreciate you. And as always, join us in the comment section on YouTube to be part of the conversation. We want to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, queries on this Titans game. All right, JT, let's dive into this matchup here off the top with some stats and info. Titans headed to Indianapolis, first divisional game of the year, first game in the two-game series against Indy and against the the new Indianapolis regime that is Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson. And because of that cornerstone difference, to be fair, we, we, could, we could say a, a new era between the Titans and the Colts because of the Colts changing for five or six years in a row now. I think this one's going to stick. I'm pretty confident that we're going to at least get two years consecutive of Anthony Richardson at the helm. And I went back this week and I looked at head coach Mike Vrabel's record against rookie quarterbacks, against rookie head coaches, and then against 
rookie head coach quarterback combos. Kind of a, a niche thing on paper. I'm somebody, and and maybe uh, maybe you are of different mind of this, JT. I'm somebody that subscribes to tracking how a coach does against a, a team or a, a head coaching opponent that they're not familiar with. We hear a lot on one side of that coin, Bill Belichick, the rookie quarterback killer, right? There are certain coaches in the league where from a betting perspective, from a picking perspective, from a rooting perspective, you don't want to face those coaches if you have a rookie head coach or a rookie quarterback because they do such a fantastic job of putting them in a blender, making their lives very difficult as they're green to the game and not familiar with the complex things that can be thrown at them. In this research, I kind of found out that Mike Vrabel is the anti-Belichick in a way. He has a really, really strong, but he does have a definitively poor record against rookie head coaches and quarterbacks. So here's his record against rookie QBs. Okay, in 2018, he played Buffalo with Josh Allen. That was a loss. In 2019, he played Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. That was a loss. In 2020, he played Joe Burrow as a rookie with Cincinnati. That was a loss. In 2021, he played rookie Zach Wilson on the Jets, and that was a loss. In 2021, he finally got a win against rookie quarterback, beating Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. Later that year, he played Mac Jones in New England, and they lost. They played Lawrence again and won again in 2021. And then to finish 2021, they played Davis, Mills, and Houston and won that game by the skin of their teeth. On the coaching side of things, he's faced a number of rookie head coaches, partially because the AFC South has been going through rookie head coaches frequently of late. He played Reich as a rookie, both both. Vrabel and Reich came in as rookie coaches together in 2018. He lost to Reich both times that year. Uh, one of those losses was 38 to 10, an ugly one, and then 33 to 17. So neither was particularly close. Two losses to start against rookie head coaches. He won against Freddie Kitchens and Cleveland, the opening game of 2019, then lost to Vic Fangio in that game where Marcus Mariota was forced to hand over the keys to the car to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that was with uh, a Denver Fangio team in 2019. Stefanski and the Browns beat him in 2020. Urban Meyer, he won against twice in 2021. Um, who didn't beat Urban Meyer is maybe the better question. Robert Sala with the New York Jets. He lost to an overtime in 2021. And then he split win and loss with David Culley, the sacrificial lamb of a head coach that Houston had employed in 2021. When you look for the common denominators there, rookie head coaches and rookie quarterbacks, he lost to Salah and Wilson in 21. And then he won the other three matchups. All were in division, two of them against Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, and one against David Coley and Davis Mills. So all of those numbers I just threw at you summed up, right? Let's get a let's get a zoomed in focused picture here. Against rookie QBs, Mike Vrabel in his head coaching career is three and five. Against rookie head coaches, he is five and seven. Against rookie QB and head coach combos, he's three and one. So that's kind of the silver lining there. When you get two green elements to a to an opposing team, he has a good record against them. But again, those three wins were all interdivision or intradivision. I believe yeah, it's intradivision. Um, his one non-divisional game against a rookie head coach QB combo was a loss, and he has a losing record against both of those types of uh, people individually. You break it down even further. Trevor Lawrence is really the only good quarterback, a quarterback you can you can deem a starting NFL caliber player. Um, he's the only rookie quarterback that is good that his team has beaten, which he's done twice. The rest of the quarterbacks and coaches that he's beaten: Davis Mills, Freddie Kitchens, Urban Meyer twice, David Culley, and Nate Hackett. So when he has played a rookie head coach or quarterback that is even remotely good, that is going to stick any longer than, again, Davis Mills, Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens, Urban Meyer twice, David Coley, a sacrificial lamb of a head coach, and Nate Hackett. It's been a loss. Doesn't bode well on paper for him against, uh, you know, two teams that he has to play a total of four times this year in the AFC South. The D'Amico Ryans led C.J. Stroud-led Houston Texans, and the Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson Colts. I, I don't think that that's the only thing you should be looking at in this game. And I actually do think the Titans match up favorably in this game. But if we are on Monday, on Sunday evening, talking about what happened, what went wrong, it's going to be yet another notch in this particular statistical belt of 
maybe Vrabel needs to maybe part of his coaching edge is studying the history of a coach quarterback combo and knowing what they like to do and forcing them to be uncomfortable. Well, I think also another element of that is that when you look at that list of Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence's, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, this is also a very different quarterback that he's going to go up against mm. versus any other that he's seen. Anthony Richardson, I think, in his ability to get out of the pocket and make plays and make explosive plays at that on his own and just kind of be able to, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, uh, create? Create. It, it, another word that I was looking for, but create is also okay. there. Um, improvise? Improvise there is it the is. word All I was right. looking yeah, for. Yeah. I, I had the last syllable of it, but it's fine. Regardless, that is no, like he is better at doing that than probably any of these quarterbacks were at the time when the Titans did play them and Mike Vrabel played him. So I think it will add an interesting aspect there to this game that, okay, well, yes, he does struggle against these rookie head coach, uh, head coaches and these rookie quarterbacks sometimes. However, he's never gone up against a rookie quarterback or I would say even a rookie head coach like this. Yeah, I think this is easily, easily the best combo um, that he's faced. I'm, I'm looking up and down the list of rookie quarterbacks. I mean, at the time, Josh Allen was certainly was not better as a rookie than than, than uh, Richardson has started. Minshew, Burrow, maybe um, not Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence was bad to start because he was, you know, operating under the thumb of Urban Meyer. Yes. Mac Jones was in that rookie year was the best of Mac Jones that we've yeah. seen. And Davis. I would say Mac Jones is probably or Anthony Richardson is probably better than Mac Jones was to begin. I could be debated, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly more dynamic. And then coaching wise, I, it's very early with Steichen. Like we don't know, but mm-hmm. maybe it, Stefanski or Sala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sala or Stefanski are are the only two that I would say were definitively better than what I think Steichen is already. Um, so yeah, there, there's a there's a test there and. Again, I'm not saying that this this is one of those stats where I I don't, I'm not sure it means anything, but I'm kind of sure that it doesn't mean nothing. Um, there's something to it. And again, if he if he struggles against the four you know the four instances this year where he has an opportunity to play a rookie head coach, rookie QB, it's going to add to this list. And maybe he is the anti Belichick in that way. We'll have to find out. Some other numbers for this game. We can move off that topic. Um, Derrick Henry on the positive side of the of the Titans coin here, King of the South is the title of the statistic that was sent out to us in the media pool this morning. Derrick Henry um, has a lot of yards against the AFC South. I don't know if you're familiar with this, this fact. Really? Yeah. He has eaten rather uh, heartily against the AFC South in the past. He is second all time for most rushing yards per divisional game since 1970 playing a minimum of 35 divisional games. He uh, became the second all-time leading rusher last year, or last game rather, in in franchise history with 8,620 yards. He's on an active streak of six consecutive 100-yard rushing games when facing AFC South opponent opponents. All six divisional games he played in 2022. Um, so last year we never saw him have a sub 100-yard rushing game against a divisional opponent. He's second only to Barry Sanders for average per uh, divisional game. He's averaging 103.6 in his career. Um, Also, he has the top spot in highest rushing average in divisional games since 1970. When you you make it a minimum of 500 snaps, he has 4,000 yards in 738 snaps against AFC South opponents, averaging 5.47 yards per carry so he's been efficient and productive against AFC South opponents will that continue this week I don't see any reason based off what we saw from him last week and based off of this Colts defensive front we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute I do think it's stout but their weakness is the run game in my opinion and I think that there's going to be an opportunity there for both Henry and uh, uh, Tajay Spears Tajay Spears to to eat some other numbers for you Right, this is quirky but interesting. Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins both playing in their 150th game of their careers, respectively. DeAndre Hopkins fifth most receptions all time in his first 150 games, um, 871 and counting. He could technically move up that list, but I think he'd need 19 receptions in this game. So we'll see about that. 
Ryan Tannehill is going to become the seventh active quarterback to reach 150 games in the league. Um, the usual suspects up there. Super interesting how how much how little Ryan Tannehill gets respect from I feel like national media for a guy who so tenured is is, is up there. He gets with, Andy with the, Dalton big, levels of respect. Which but I think those Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton still gets more respect than he does in some instances. It's about expectations. If Dalton was a starter, he'd get Tannehill levels of respect, and if Tannehill was a backup, he'd certainly get Dalton level of respect. You know what I mean? It, as yeah, soon yeah. as and maybe it's after this year, Tannehill bounces around the league. And becomes that bridge guy. You know he's he's all right. It's gonna be like you can you can win games with Ryan Tannehill, hundred percent. So I mean, you're already, we're already talking about it hypothetically. The Jets talking about oh, go the the Falcons. You're hearing a lot of people saying if you trade deadline, go get Tannehill. You could it's gonna change this team. Not with the Titans though. Not no, with the Titans. No, it's all it's all. all about your expectations. All right, now let's talk about some opinion on the implications of this game. And if you listened to a football show where I subbed in for our buddy Zach Lyons, me and Braden Gall were live this afternoon. As soon as you're done listening to this, go listen to that. It's fantastic. It's almost as good as the show that we're currently doing. Um, we talked a lot about what this game could mean and does mean for this Titans team. And we talked about it in the framework of what we were expecting this team to look like through the bye, through the first six games. Braden contended he thinks that they are ahead of schedule if they win this game. I think that they are on schedule and have the potential to be ahead of schedule if they win this game. He had them going two and four through the first six games, and exact record isn't really as important to me. I had them going about 500. I thought two and four, three and three, four and two was all in the cards. But getting to 500 certainly was the expectation. And if they win this week and go to three and two, they can get beat by 70 points Dolphin style in London, and it will not matter. They will be at 500 through the bye. Um, because of that, I think it's really important because I think the Baltimore team that they are facing in week six is a really nasty one. I think it's one that matches up pretty well with the Titans. I don't know how much Titans fans have been paying attention to what Lamar Jackson and the, the new offense up there has been doing, but Lamar has been playing, in my opinion, based off the tape that I've watched and the people that I, I trust who are tape grinders who I listen to each week, um, that I speak with each week, he's in better command of his offense as a passer than he has ever been. He's dealing, he's shredding defenses with his arm more than ever and with his legs less than ever. Although the, the times that he has shown off his leg, it, it's 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 been the Lamar Jackson that we know. So I, I, I'm not saying that's I'm chalking it up for a loss. I'm saying it's a difficult game on the road in London. You, you never know. I know that in terms of trends, London teams that are favored, the favorites in London, I think being the better team travels well based on history because the favorites tend to win and cover in those games from a betting perspective. So how important do you think winning this game is for Tennessee to give themselves that breathing room to say, we're going to be 500 through the bye no matter what? Well, I think it, it, both these games, I think I'm with you that I think getting through these two games, I don't think they're ahead of schedule in this game. I think it really is the biggest test, though, to kind of see once they get into the bye, what exactly is this team? If they kind win of, the next two games, they're ahead of schedule. They are ahead of schedule. If they yeah. win this one, I think they're still on schedule, like you said. Yeah. Mostly because, and I kind of pointed this out earlier this week, you've, you've played one game. Now I know defense and, and just kind of the coaching matchup is very important, but now you've played one game where you've gotten absolutely obliterated <laughs> with a very mobile quarterback yeah. who can make plays on the fly. You dominated a team where the quarterback was an absolute statue back there and so now we're flipping the coin back over to take on two quarterbacks who are very quick on their feet can improvise can make a lot of plays and so if you beat this anthony richardson led team i think i'm with you that you're you're on track right now but and then you go into in, into um England and then you play the Baltimore Ravens and, and you kind of are able to be up there with with Lamar okay this defense has the ability to do both they're able to contain and they're also able to get after some more uh stable and statuesque quarterbacks if they lose both these games then you start to see a trend you start to say okay this is where this team cannot kind of match up with a lot of these other teams that are kind of taking the league by storm right now. It's there. They're struggling to get to that quarterback. That's able to make plays outside the pocket. Well, to me, it really just exposes that their defense. And, and we already know this kind of, if you, if as an offense, you're able to take away the Titans ability to affect the passer, you're going to have a good day. That's the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for here. 
It's a sing. It's it's a, uh, singularly one-sided, one-sided offense, w- one-dimensional. That's the word I'm looking for. Not eventually, they're a one defend, one-dimensional defense. In that way, I'm not saying they are, but I think if you, like you said, get murdered by a, a mobile quarterback, uh, a guy that can shed sacks, can roll out of the pocket, be quick on his feet, be effective as a passer on his feet, be effective as a runner. And then you murder a literal stat, not a statuesque quarterback, a literal like Greek, like statue of David statue back there. And then you lose to two mobile quarterbacks. Like that's a trend. That's enough of a sample size for me to say, okay, teams are going to have the book on this now. Even if you don't have the most mobile quarterback in the world, maybe this is the week to test those legs. Yeah. Let's get them going a little bit. And and I think that if you are able to go 500, I think you're right on track that like if you play both these teams, even if they play them close, like I just like if they lose to the Colts and to the Ravens, but they play incredibly tight sure, games, they're sure. getting to the quarterback. I, I'm still thinking you're on track. You just kind of just how the game goes. But if you if you are getting absolutely handled by both Anthony Richardson and Lamar Jackson these next two weeks, and you lose those games by uh, a, a score or two, then I think you have some problems. And that's why I say the actual record matters less to me because it, it, again, September October, it's the time for fiddling. All you have to avoid really is digging yourself a massive hole, one and five, one and four, two and you know five kind of deal. Um, and this is the time for, I'm much more concerned about how you look, how, how you do it than how, you know, if you're, if you're a, I make golfing metaphors all the time on this show because I am a golfer. Uh, a common golfing saying when you hit a shot poorly, like you just absolutely skull a shot, it's a terrible flight, and it's just a, it's a worm burner. It rolls all the, but it rolls all the way up in the green. It's like, hey, no screenshots on the scorecard. You know, like it doesn't matter how you get, the par if you get the par no yeah. one cares how pretty it was it's the opposite of that in september and october football it becomes that there's no there's no screenshots on the scorecard in december and january a win is a win is a win in the most difficult portion of the year yes. for football nut cutting time in football during september october i care about how you did it it is a good process and so um yeah i think i think that the showing matters as much in these games you mentioned anthony richardson we're talking about anthony richardson let's talk about him and how the titans can plan to contain him, defend him. Been talking all week about how this is a classic, you know, the, the, this talking point from Titans coaches and players in the past against these mobile quarterbacks has been, we're going to look to capture, contain, not kill, contain, contain, not kill, capture, not kill. That's the way that they have to play against these guys because if they do let them out of the pocket, they do get their rushers behind him beyond the quarterback and give him daylight to run downfield. They will be burned. The Titans have had varying levels of success against rushing quarterbacks in the Mike Vrabel era. There've been some good games. There've been some bad games. I don't, I think it's a, you know, it's a boring take. They're they're not particularly great at it. They're not particularly bad at it. It's kind of been kind of a, any given day situation. There's certain guys like Mahomes who has burnt them a number of times. Although Mahomes, you know, have you ever heard the bit about how Patrick Mahomes is always, uh, N plus one, that is his speed and N being defender. Like, because he, his 40 time, not great. Yes. His profile as a rusher in college, not great. He just always happens to be 1% faster than whatever defender he's running. <laughs> he personifies the, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the slowest friend. Like he always outruns the slowest friend, but just enough yeah. to escape. And so he does that to everybody, but he's certainly done it to the Titans. Um, a number on Richardson that I think is, not all encompassing, but a little bit demonstrative of what he's been this year. He leads the league in explosive pass play rate, which is runs of 12 or more yards and passes of 20 or more yards. So he is the X factor for this Colts offense. He has been the X factor game in and game out. Now he's only played about two and a half games because he did spend a game and a half in concussion protocol. But from what we've seen in the tape that I've watched, he is that dynamic electric player that we thought he could be coming out. In fact, he's, he's that much earlier than I thought he would be. I thought he would actually be, I thought Steichen, you know, easing him in, a player that's really raw, we'll keep it kind of milk toast. we'll, we'll keep it kind of simple, keep it vanilla, we'll, we'll, we'll not put too much on his plate, we'll limit the opportunities for him to make confidence-killing decisions and turn the ball over or, or make game-breaking decisions in that way, and they've not done that. They've trusted him to air it out a little bit. They've trusted him to use his legs, and it's served him well. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with Anthony Richardson right now, and I think the discussion that you're going to get on him right now and why people, because you and I are both very privy to the Anthony Richardson is bad discussion this week on on QB1? No, no, Um, bad quarterback. 
Yeah. And I think where, where you're looking at it is the is the completion percentage. And uh, last night, maybe I went down a little rabbit hole or two of just Anthony Richardson tape to kind of just watch it. Mm -hmm. And to to that point, I think that he is making these explosive plays. But when he's missing, because he is missing a lot with that bottom three in the league completion percentage, CPOE, yeah, he, he's not he's not missing by a lot, right? He he's it, but it, it is with that. He's, don't tell the don't tell the box score box score scouters that because yes. it, it, there is some nuance with Richardson here where it's like you need you had to be there a little bit. Yeah. He also I believe is currently third in the league um, amongst quarterbacks for drop rate, so he's not being helped yes, out it, by his wide receiver and core that, and that at was, all. That was what I was going to get to. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't have the greatest wide receiver core in the world. Michael Pittman has shown some flashes. Pittman, I'm a, I, I've been impressed by. He's proved me wrong. I came into the year thinking I don't I think he's a high end wide receiver too. I don't think he's a one. He's looked like a one. He's looked like a one. Alec it, Pierce. It's just on the, the rest. Other it's hand, the rest of the core. Uh, Our boy Josh looked, Downs. Josh has, Downs has looked okay. He's, it's, he's looked like a rookie. Yes. Uh, I'm not. I'm not holding it against him, but he's not been amazing out of the gate. However, and, and Pierce has been disappointing. There have been some drops, and there is still a little bit to work with Anthony Richardson. Where, regardless of how far down the field it is, that man is going to sling it like it's going 90 miles per hour, and there's no there's not no like my up. friend. No there, like there is, it is going 90 no miles change an up hour. on that. Um, it's all gas, no brakes, but. Yeah, I think he's a dynamic player, and I think that regardless, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot this week. They want to give Anthony Richardson the utmost confidence to take this offense to new heights, and I think they're going to try to do just that this week. Yeah, and to put a bow on the Richardson conversation, I think it's a it's a it's a meeting of the movable object versus the stoppable force a little mm -hmm. bit, in the sense that. In general, the way to attack the Titans defense is you got to pass and you got to pass downfield. They're vulnerable. Their secondary is vulnerable. Just be effective as a passer, be accurate as a passer downfield, and it's going to work out for you. With the Colts, with Richardson, his weakness has so far been his accuracy, his completion percentage. He's been fine, but at times he's had he's had just flat misses. Um, and because of that, you know, a weakness of inaccuracy against a weakness of downfield passing secondary it you know it might even it's out. not ideal it might yeah. those two things might cancel each other out because it's it's week on week there um where i think that it's not exactly even is in the trenches and that's where i want to go next titans offensive line is one that we've talked a lot about we don't need to talk uh, you know, i don't want to wear it out i have a feeling we'll be talking about it next week a lot so because of some new pieces coming in yes. we talked at length about it on a football show so that's the one time i'll send you over there today that's one segment you won't get here today. You'll want to check that out as soon as this fine show is over. But uh, Brayden and I talked a lot about, we spent the entire beginning of the show, a football show on Thursday, uh, talking about what the options were for the Titans, what they should do, what they will do. And we actually kind of debated um, two different schools of thought. Um, and then we also both agreed that our opinions didn't matter because they wouldn't do either of them. Um, but it's a, good, it's a good conversation that I think you'll find entertaining. What I want to talk about is the other side of the ball, or the the other team, rather. The, the Colts' offensive line going up against this Titans' defensive front is one that is, I think, an advantage to the Titans on the interior, and on the outside is a big question mark to me. I think it's a pivotal matchup in this game for this reason. The Colts have a couple of start. They've, they've had some real triage issues um, with their offensive lineman and I'm, I'm checking to make sure I have it up to date here. Yeah. So, so they're looking to get back one of their starting offensive linemen who was in concussion protocol, not to tease the, uh, the injury report too soon, but um, we saw Ryan Kelly, their starting center in concussion protocol practiced in full the past two days. So he's going to be cleared. He'll play in this game. However, Bernard Raymond, their starting left tackle who was looking very good for them, very promising for them as a second year player is not going to play. He's still in a uh, concussion protocol. He's not practiced at all this week. He won't go. So they're down Bernard Raymond, starting left tackle, starter at the most important position. That should be an advantage to the Titans for Harold Landry, for Arden Key, for uh, Travis Gibson, for Rashad Weaver. But it, it exposes them, I think, to getting out over their skis with a very mobile quarterback. And it's all, it all comes back around to Richardson's legs trying to capture and contain, but not kill the Titans interior, Jeff Simmons, Danico Autry, Tier Tart. They're going to eat. They're going to push the pocket a little bit. I think 
and it's going to force the rat out of the cage. It's the job of those ends to keep the rat in the cage. And some of them I trust to do that. Some of them I don't. Arden Key is somebody whose athleticism I think they're going to want to lean on this week. I think they should lean on. Um, you got to lean on your edge, your edges with with athleticism that can hang with these mobile quarterbacks in order to keep them at bay and, and not get out over your skis. That's what the Titans in the past have leaned on Harold Landry for, that athleticism. But this year, coming back from the ACL, we've just not really seen that a ton. And it's been concerning to the point for me, yes, he's been getting better week after week. In this game, I just I don't, I, it's going to take a significant jump for me to really feel comfortable with him um, not, not getting out over his skis and being able to capture, contain, keep that rat in the cage of the pocket and not let him scurry away and burn you with his legs. I think that opens up the opportunity for a good bit, a good deal more of guys like Travis Gibson, who are, do have that athleticism, athleticism that, that pop right now. Um, Weaver, I'm kind of, uh, Weaver's kind of in the same, like Gibson and Key are guys athletically that I like in this matchup. Weaver and to a larger extent, Landry, I'm not crazy about in this matchup. And for but that, Landry could be. If he's, if he makes a significant jump, he's going to have to get much closer to old Landry in this game in a hurry than what he's been so far. Cause if he's what he's been so far, I'm concerned about that. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you how, how much more do you need out of Landry this week? Do you think that this is the first real test for Landry? This is a heat check. Yeah. It's a heat check for him. A hundred, a hundred percent. It is assuming Richardson's going to be as mobile as I expect him to be. It's going to be a heat check. And this, I think this will be a good litmus test. This is one of those games that I can't wait to watch on tape because that's going to be something that I, that key in on. Um, it, it's a matchup that matters and it's a real, it's a, it's a first real test for Landry off of, I think a, a good month warm up period for him, getting his feet back under him. Yes. That Cincinnati game was in my opinion, far and away the best he's looked in, in totality. But was that a result of the statue as quarterback? I do not know. Okay. We talked about Kyle Phillips a lot yesterday, and we can talk more about it today. But I, we talked about it a lot on 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 uh, the hot read on Wednesday. We talked about it a lot with, with Sam Phelan. We talked about it a lot on a football show today. Is there anything in particular that you're interested to see from him, his impact on this game? The one thing that I will say new to bring to the conversation for today's show is, and I mentioned this on a football show today, I think people are underestimating the impact he will have on this team if they are expecting him to be primarily or only a third down element. This Tim Kelly offense through four weeks has shown a willingness and eagerness to get their third wide receiver involved more in the overall scheme of the offense to have them play a bigger part than the, the Titans offenses of the past two or three years. And I do think that maybe not this week immediately, but in the near future soon, Kyle Phillips is going to fill that third role in terms of usage. And they're going to want to utilize him. It's not, he's not going to just be a chain mover on third down. He may start as that primarily, and he may ultimately, that may be his, his greatest strength that he brings to this team. No doubt. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be thrown to him on first and second down. He is this team's get a bucket guy. That's how I described him earlier today. I think you talk about basketball a lot. It's like, you may not be the best player on the team, but you're, you're down, you're down one with, with 30 seconds left. You need a bucket. Who's your get a bucket guy. You know, you get Kawhi Leonard was a get a bucket guy for a long time. He's the Kawhi Leonard of this team, in my opinion, because that's what we've seen him be. And he, that's the, the profile of player that he is. Short area quickness, ability to get open, create uh, openings for himself in a zone, um, quickly get off his man in man coverage and be available to get a bucket. Is he going to be the home run hitter? No, I don't think he's not. He's not your yak, yak guy. He's not going to be breaking tackles running down the field. He's shifty. So if you give him some open running room, he's quick. He's shifty. He might make a couple guys miss, but in general, he's your catching. He's your, your point and shoot guy. And with Tannehill, that, he's the kind of quarterback that you would like a point and shoot guy. It's really been Hopkins and to a lesser extent Spears that has been that guy for him so far this year. As we mentioned on Wednesday's show, having a guy like Phillips back, it's a whole new ball game in that element. Yeah, and I think to your point, especially on third downs, uh, I saw this stat earlier today. Currently, Tennessee 
is 23rd in the league in third down conversion percentage Mm. um, with only a 36% conversion rate. So getting a guy back like Phillips, even if it is just to serve this week only in that kind of third down role, I think is a very big bump in, in, an influx of juice to this Titans offense. We've talked ad nauseum about how Hopkins is really the only get a first down guy on this team. He's a walking first down. Yeah. Phillips is that as well. Yes. So you, if you have two of those guys in your team, because eventually, and I know Mike Herndon, our buddy Mike Herndon mentioned this on a fo- uh, football night for yesterday. Eventually teams are going to become privy to, I mean, they already know, but they're eventually going to get sick and tired of Hopkins. Hopkins yeah. They're yeah. just going to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to bracket him. We're going to double him every third down. You're not throwing to hop. Yeah. You're not throwing to 10 on third downs. Yeah. You're going to have to throw to somebody else. And if you beat us that way, so be it. That's coming soon. If you don't get another guy in there that is a proven third down outlet um, that you are able to go to and Ryan Tannehill is interested in going to. All right. Um, let's let's end the the preview. That's pretty much all the, the – that's all I have to say on that front. Again, a lot more on the preview in a football show earlier today where I, I co-hosted with Braden Gall if you want to check that out after the show. But not until we get to the news with producer JT. Yeah, let's break down this Thursday injury report for Tennessee and Indianapolis, starting with the guys for the Titans who so far have not practiced this week, starting with wide receiver Traylon Burks, linebacker Luke Gifford, and defensive lineman Tier Tart. Ethan, it seems like, as Sam put it earlier this week, Traylon Burks in the direction of not going once again this week. Um, And then Luke Gifford and Tier Tart. I know Luke Gifford was also out last week. Out of these three guys, is there any hope for any of them to play this week? Tart, because he's been kind of this on the injury report all week and then gutted out on the weekend kind of guy. Maybe this is where they have, you know, they may choose this is the game. We're finally going to wait. We're going to, um, you know, we're, we, we don't want to do this on again, off again game all year. We want to get him right. Um, maybe he does play in this game and then they shut him down for Baltimore, give him a, you know, a three week break, almost three week break with the buy in there. Um, whatever is the case. I do think he has a chance to play on Burks. I, I, all I want to say is I, you know, we, we heard from Sam on Wednesday. He said cryptically what he's heard. He doesn't think Burks is going to be coming back right away this week. Maybe, maybe not until after the buy. I haven't been at Titans facility this week because I've had other things going on. Um, and so I was like, what am I missing? Like, what's, what, what's the, what are we hearing? I miss, I've clearly I'm out of the loop on this. And so as soon as that show was over, I then hit up some sources. Talk to some folks in the know, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm with him now. I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I'm up to speed. I, I agree. It sounds like he is not going to be available. Uh, certainly not this week, um, and maybe not for the next two weeks. They may want to get him right for the back half, back, back two thirds of the season, and bring him back after the bye. Um, Gifford, I have no real thoughts on Gifford. He's a depth <laughs> guy and he continues to be yeah. injured. It's a bummer. Um, let's talk about guys who have practiced fully this week, starting with Peter Skaronsky, who is How coming back that? from that app and appendectomy. There's the word. There it is. Appendectomy. Um, he's a, he's a guy who would be a welcome site for this team. Along with Kyle Phillips, they have both been full participations this week. Do you expect both of them to play? We kind of already talked about Phillips a little bit, but Skronsky. Phillips, 100%, yes. He said as much. I, he will be playing. Skronsky, I, I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. I think one more week probably. It would, would it shock me if he plays in this game? No. And if he's available, then you, uh, you for sure slot him in, put him at that right tackle position or right guard, uh, left guard position, um, and you 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 – you take out um, uh, uh, Dylan Radens. I had Andre Diller's name stuck in my head. I I would be hesitant. Like I, not this this game is important. You, you want you want to play your best players, hundred percent. That kind of injury, from what I've heard, is at you're at risk for coming back and like tearing stitches out and setting yourself back. Um, and so I I've not had one. I don't. I'm not a sports scientist. I don't know. I'd be kind of wary of getting him in there, but if he's if you feel like he's 100 percent and ready to go, there's also the issue of you know, did he lose some weight? How fit was he able to stay while he was down? Those things take a minute to get back. If, if the if the doctors feel like he can go, get him out there. I just I I'll be kind of surprised, not shocked, but kind of surprised if he goes in this one. Yeah, and then another guy who's returned this week and has had two full participations in practice, Nicholas Petit Friere is back uh, off the uh, suspension list. How likely would you say it is that he gets snaps in this game this week? I'd be more surprised by him. Any snaps? Hmm. That's a different question. Starting, I'd be more surprised if he started than if Skaronsky started, for sure. I'd mm-hmm. be kind of shocked by that. It's certainly not an injury situation. It's an earning your job back situation. 
we didn't get to talk about it on Wednesday, but we did find out on Wednesday that the Titans at practice with MPF playing him on that left side with Peter Skaronsky, both of them back a shot across the bow of Andre Dillard for sure. A warning shot. You better figure it out. So <laughs> the odds aren't impossible that he plays a snap in this game, because if you come out and the Colts good defensive front is getting after Ryan Tannehill and it's, you know, a la the, the Cleveland game, the entire offense simply cannot work. It's dead. It's DOA. It's dead on arrival because the, the trenches are killing them. And Dillard has let up two sacks through 20 minutes of ball game. Maybe they're bold enough to send him out there. I'd be surprised. I'd be all for it in that circumstance for sure. But I also wonder, you know, that shot across the bow, that's a, that's a warning shot that I think may get through to Andre Dillard and may force the very best possible play out of him. What that looks like, I do not know. But better than what it's been, there's certainly room for improvement. Yeah, and then we can switch over to the Indianapolis Colts side. We talked already about Ryan Kelly, who will go this week, and then Bernard Ryman, who has not practiced at all this week. He will not be available. Another big guy on the uh, this is big. on the yep. Colts front seven on the defensive side, Quiddy Pay, still in concussion protocol. He was added late after he played the full game last week and then right. kind of self-reported some concussion-like symptoms. He's been in the protocol. Which and objectively it, sucks because he's been really fun yeah, to watch he's this been, year. He's been, he's been a, a good great player. asset for that um, team. Very, It's great news for the Titans team. Great news <laughs> uh, yes. for the Titans tackles because he's been looking like that guy we thought he could be coming out of Michigan and they won't be having to contend with him on yes. the edge. Um, but he is not logged a practice yet this week, so it will. It does look like he will not go. Another guy who has practiced fully in two practices now, Jonathan Taylor. He's looking Welcome to back, be back. I suppose. Um, do you I think that he goes in this game? Yes, I think he goes. Do I think he makes an impact? Not. Do you think he'll take over the RB one role this week, or do you? Think oh, that- I could see a pretty even split at best. Because Zach Moss I, I do has not see him. He has. Zach Moss has looked good. He's looked perfectly serviceable. I don't see them giving him more than half the snap. Maybe I'm totally, I mean, like I, maybe I'm not plugged in enough with indie media, but, but then what also, I've heard, what I think, I'd be kind of surprised if he's out snapping Moss given in the his first track, game. Given his track record against this Titans team, this Titans team does know how to That's what I'm saying. contain I him and lock him I don't down. have any reason to believe he's going to be an impact. Again, he's a you, player saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. He's a good player. You'd rather face lesser players. It makes it your job easier. <laughs> but the Titans have done a very good job every single time they've gone up against this rather good player. Um, and so based on that track record, unless they have a totally out of character game or maybe he's been working like a madman out of fury and anger at crazy uncle Jim over the past four weeks, whatever it may be, I don't see him being a massive impact in this game. I don't see him getting more than half of the running back snap share. Yeah. And then two more guys on this injury report too. Uh, important defensive pieces as well. DeForest Buckner is dealing with a back injury. He did not practice on Wednesday, but then he practiced limitedly on Thursday. And then Shaq Leonard with a groin has not practiced yet this week. I feel like tomorrow will be the wait and see day to see if those guys will be good enough to go, but not really anything else to report on that front right now. Yeah. DeForest Buckner, Shaq Leonard, uh, Danico Autry with uh, uh, a back groin and groin respectively. They're all in that limited bucket and they are all in that. I'm expecting them to be weekend warriors and play. Well, and, with Shaq Leonard not practicing at all yet. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I missed. It's very small. I misread that. He, so uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, I totally think that Buckner and Autry are, are both are good to go. Yeah, I, I would say so old too, school but. veteran. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to, they're going to take their rest days. Even if they're a little bit banged up, kind of like a la D hop the first couple weeks of the season. Um, Shaq Leonard, um, man, I, I read this earlier and that didn't even register with me. Yeah. That's a big deal because he's been very good so far this season. He's been the best by far linebacker in coverage per, I think it was next gen stats or maybe PFF, but, um, just in terms of overall grade when passing against him in coverage, he's been the best by kind of a country mile of the linebackers. He's been looking like the guy that we knew before his back issues and not having him in this game would be a big deal. Sounds like maybe he's not going to go. Tomorrow will be the telling day, obviously. Yeah, then we can move on off the injury report to talk about this Colts secondary who has already faced a bunch of losses already early in the season and in preseason. Now they lose another guy in starting cornerback Dallas Flowers to a torn Achilles. He is done for the year. So that secondary group continues to lose more and more depth by the day. unbelievably brutal. Yeah, I don't know who they have playing safety or cornerback or safety at this point. Because from what I hear, our buddy Zach Hicks is on Twitter today. He was talking about how he... He thinks the cornerback play may so far be worse than this, or the, the safety play may so far be worse than the cornerback play, which if that's the case, then it sounds like it's a real dumpster fire back there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the week you see 
Ryan Tannehill really just lock and load and tear up a secondary. It's certainly not the hardest group he'll be going against. And then finally, Uncle Jimmy, Jim Wyatt, with his wardrobe check this week. The Titans will be decked out in white jerseys, white britches, and light blue socks in Sunday's game versus the Colts. A very... Uh, I dig the, the blue you socks. You like these? The I, I know, I know these. Yeah, I know I these mean, have the uh, these hold people weight. Get mad about they do. The the this jersey kind of combo holds weight with a lot of Titans fans, but it is a cool one to see, especially in a divisional game. I love an icy white of most. I mean, like the Bengals icy whites. I love most icy whites. I'm a big fan of their clean look, um, and I love the the light blue socks the Titans are going with. I'm not. Sh- I can't remember the last time I saw that, if ever. So, um, a big. Big thumbs up from me. All right, that is producer JT with the news. And now all we have left is the best bet gauntlet. JT, let's brag a little bit. I am 11 and 9 on the year. Finally got off the schneid, got yes. above 500, built a cushion for myself. I'm like a I'm like a well-oiled NFL team. I'm like, a you know, it's September, October. I'm kind of fiddling around. We're going to peak at the right time. We're trending in the right direction. You are... Either a team that's going to fall apart down the stretch, or the maybe you're just the 17 and 0 Patriots because maybe holy cow, 16 and four can't ask for a better start than that. You have essentially bought yourself two to three total dud weeks, and you'll still be well above 500. So well done. And the show record, which is what really matters to us, because again, a little peek behind the curtain, we're trying to get the best show record possible. We're making a lot of these bets in cahoots, and it's just uh, who gets to them first in the order and who gets to claim the uh, the silly little competition. But ultimately, we want to make you money. And we want you to bet all 10 of these games. JT, so far, that's been so good at 27 and 13, a blistering 68% on the year. Once again, I tell you, if you're not betting with the best, almost bet 10% gauntlet, over like professional bettors. Yes, by the way. professional bettors are very happy with 58%. And we may end up at 58% by the end of the year. But right now, we're playing with our hair on fire. We're making a ton of money. Um, I believe I did the math the other day. I wish I'd written it down. I believe a $100 blind better with us. I do if, remember if you, it. If you remember I, the I, Okay. So if you, if you are a blind better betting $100 on each of the 10 sides we've had through four weeks, how much money would you be up through four weeks? JT? I believe it was $1,154 in some odd sense. That's so, a lot of, a lot of money. money that you could be making without having to even think we'll do the thinking for you. We'll do the yes. research for you. And with that JT, let's dive into our week five best bet gauntlet for the fourth consecutive week fifth consecutive fifth consecutive week yes things are falling um i get the first pitch because you've been on fire and even though we tie last week the t-box is still mine so with my first bet i'm going to be taking a game that i locked in on twitter again folks that aren't familiar with the best bet gauntlet sometimes on tuesdays and wednesdays when we are expecting a line to move during the week we lock it in on twitter with the hashtag best bet gauntlet we retweet it on the hot read Twitter account at hot read pod. You got to make sure you're on those so that you can get the best of the number. So I locked in that best number on Tuesday. I'm taking Miami minus 10 and a half against the giants. Last I checked, it's up to 12. I still like it. Not as much, but I still like it as long as it's under um, that 13 number is kind of the next key number there that you're wanting to get under a couple of reasons why for this game. It is a big, big number. So generally hate taking big favorites like this. I'm making a big fat exception for this Miami team because of two things really that aren't compatible for the Giants. (laughs) Thing number one, the only only way that we have seen so far this year to get after Tua Tungavaloa is to pressure him. The Giants have the lowest pressure rate of any team in the NFL. (laughs) So those things aren't compatible. They're not going to get pressure, and I think that the the Dolphins are going to walk their way to 40 or 50 points. The Giants, for their part, have unbelievable injury luck right now, misfortune right now. Their offensive line is destroyed. The Dolphins' defense can and will get after Daniel Jones, and I just don't see how the Giants really score at all in this game. Danny Dimes continues to throw picks. It's hard to blame him a ton because the situation he's been given is a disaster. Things are spiraling in New York for the G-men, and I think that they get killed in this game by two touchdowns pretty easily. Really, the only thing I'm worried about in this game is a backdoor cover because I don't see any way by the end of the third quarter the Dolphins aren't already considering putting in backups. I mean, I like that pick. Like the Giants this year, minus 76-point differential, worse in the NFL. You're going to have fans in that stadium booing their own right tackle this week. 
Uh, if, if you're familiar with the Evan Neal situation, that has been... You're all burger um, flippers, and Evan Neal is better <laughs> than you, so do louder, he says. Um, so I, the vibes are not right in, in New York, not and great. I think that the Dolphins are going to come in and make them even worse. So yep, I like that yep, pick. Yep, yep, yep. My first pick this week is going to be an ugly one. We're starting off with the ugly picks this week, yep. but I am taking Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett plus four and a half against the Baltimore Ravens this week. This is a straight just lock. You see the trend, you lock the trend. This is an auto bet for me every Because on the surface, it's, a, it's disgusting. It's, it's, it's gross. If you look at the numbers, I'm with you 100%. This is an auto bet. Tell us why. Um, over the last 20 years in this Ravens versus Steelers matchup, the underdog in this series is 28-12-3 against the spread mm. when they play in the regular season, and the line is three, and mo- three or more currently like it is right now at plus four and a half. The underdog is 21-3-3 three <laughs> against the spread. So it's always a field goal game and the underdog usually wins. Yes. And then the me. underdog has covered 11 straight in this rivalry and is 15 one and one against the spread since 2015. This is Mike Tomlin game where he gets right. This is always close. It's once again, like I've said, basically every single week with these AFC North teams, they're always close. It's always by a field goal. If I can get it over that, I'm taking it every time. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers plus four and a half to start off this week. Yep, I love that bet. Love that bet. I absolutely will be making that myself. With my second bet of the week five best bet, Gauntlet, I'm taking Buffalo plus five versus the Jacksonville Jaguars over there in foggy London town where we will be in uh, less than a week. Very. I don't think we've ever said that on the show. Oh, yeah. Have we not? We're going to be in London. We'll be yeah, covering the game. Be fun. I think we have. We, I probably mentioned it. Maybe I don't not. Think we have. If we did, we'll be there in London next next week covering that game, which should be a ton of fun. We'll be doing a lot of shenanigans with the show and doing the show live from over there. So, um, But Buffalo, plus five versus Jacksonville. Really simple here. Um, you, like I said earlier, the, the favorites in London tend to travel well. You, you, the, I believe it's north of 55% or uh, 57% off the top of my head. I'll have to fact check myself on that later, but I believe it's 57%. Um, the favorites have covered um, and won outright over there. The, the stat we continue to throw out with Buffalo is that when they win, they win big. Josh Allen, I believe in 57, now 58 with last week's game, uh, 58 career games. He has won north of 65% of them when he wins by seven or more. So when he wins, he wins big. So if you think the bills are going to win and they're favored by under a touchdown, it's typically an auto bet to take them over that touchdown for Jacksonville part. I just don't love what they've been doing offensively. It's uh, press Taylor. They're the guy calling the plays. He needs to give up that headset to Doug Peterson. Some have theorized that he already has. Yeah, but <laughs> based on last week, I'm not sold on that. I, I, they, you know, it was a nice win for them, but that performance is going to get beat by a touchdown or more by the Buffalo Bills, who I, for my money, are the best team in the NFL right now. We don't have to talk about that, but I think that they are playing with their hair on fire. That defense is going to be nasty. It's going to get up to Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of reasons why I think Buffalo is just outclassing Jacksonville here. Give me the Bills to win by a, a touchdown or more. With my next pick here, I'm going uh, to a team that I've just kind of fallen in love with this season because they've made me a lot of money. And even though it might be a sell uh, time to sell on them, I'm going to continue to buy oh, they're their fun stock. To watch too. They're pretty. Fun um, to watch. They're they're the sharps always love the other team against them, and I'm going to mm-hmm. keep saying, you know what, sharps. 40% of the time you are wrong. And so far I've been right and almost is, every this time. This is the weekly so, JT sharps are dumb pick. Uh, this is the sharps are dumb pick okay. this week. I am picking Houston plus one and a half at Atlanta. Mm. Um, this is just kind of also a, a common spot to take them here. Um, usually want to bet underdogs with low totals. Underdogs with over-unders of below 42 are 69-40-2 and two against the spread, which is good for 63% in the first eight weeks of the season over the last 20 years. Currently, the over-under is 41 and a half. Also, Arthur Smith has just not been good at home covering the spread. Smith is 9-9 and straight up and 6-12 and against the spread at home as a head coach the worst Falcons head coach against the spread at home in the last 20 years. And since he's been hired at, in 2021, he's the least, least profitable coach against the spread at home. I like what CJ Stroud and this offense is doing. I don't trust Desmond Ritter. I think the one way that this bet could come back to haunt me is if run game. It, well, no, is if Ritter throws an early pick and Taylor Heineke. Oh, comes oh and you in, get the better quarterback. And you yeah, get the better fair. quarterback in there. Um, so are you not concerned at all about, and I'm playing devil's advocate here because I like this side as well. The, the thing that concerns me besides the possibility of Heineke coming in is 
that run game, Arthur Smith is a rugby team. They're a, they're a, they're the Navy midshipmen out there. They'd love to just run all day, every day. And Houston can be run on. They, they can be run on, but I, I, if there's a team that I think has the offensive firepower right now to, to just, just outdo to it, to just outdo it, mm-hmm. it's Houston right now. I agree. I agree. And D'Amico Ryan's, I think, even though Arthur Smith can run, this is a. I love what their new, coordinators have done so far. Um, this is a new Houston Texans team, and D'Amico Ryan's is a defensive-minded guy. I'm still not too worried about that. I've watched some tape cutups um, from people like th- that are really grinding Texans tape, talking through some of the highlights. Their their coordinators have been kind of in their bag so far. I got to learn their names because they. They may become head coach candidates if they keep this up. Um, with my third pick in the best bet gauntlet for week five, I'm taking for the fifth consecutive week. Somebody on the show will be betting the Titans game. So I'm betting the three and one ATS Tennessee Titans, who are currently minus two and a half at Indy. Now, I foolishly did not lock this in early in the week because I did not think I wanted anything to do with this Titans line early in the week. Up until about 24 hours ago, I had no interest in this Titans line. If you forced me to bet this game, I actually was going to take Indy because this was on paper to begin the week a good spot for Indy. But I've had my mind changed, and let me explain to you why. Um, the, the reason I say I'm foolish, by the way, the, the Titans were underdogs. They are now yes. favorites. They are now two-and-a-half-point favorites. As long as you're getting it under the field goal, I still like the number. But um, hopefully you got a, a better number earlier in the week, and maybe that goes down. with Maybe the public comes back in on Indy. I kind of think that it won't. I think it's going to hover to two-and-a-half for the rest of the week. JT, I don't know if you remember last week I was talking about in that Jets game. The Jets Chiefs Sunday night football game. It was a gross pick. It was our ugliest pick of the week. And it covered, but it was painful. But yes. it did it did cover. And it was a game that nobody was on the Jets in that game um, from a betting perspective. And the reason why you bet it, among other things, was there has been a professional betting syndicate that the I have betting Illuminati Pentaveret. It, it is Secret yeah, Society. This this betting syndicate has each week so far this season, four of the four weeks, they've gone big on one particular side. They, they pick their spots, they choose their spots, and they typically are right. This is why they make bank. It's These are the people that Vegas fears. And they came in, I, I heard from people that report on this, I got the report this morning, that they placed a big position on Tennessee in this game, which perked my ears up because it went counter to what I thought this game was going to be. You look into some more of the numbers, some more of the trends. It sounds like Tennessee is the side here. Every indicator that we think of on the surface, you know, it's a divisional game. It's a home dog in a divisional game. It's a Titans team coming off of a big win. It's a Colts team coming off of a painful loss. Like it's a buy low, sell high spot. That sounds like a bad idea. And that's why I didn't want anything to do with the Titans game to begin with. But in my experience, tailing some of these syndicates, when all of the traditional indicators point one way, and then they come in with a position heavily against that. They know something. And so maybe I'm walking into it. And if I lose, I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to pay the price for having bet on this team that is this, this betting syndicate that is 4-0 this year and have not led us astray even in the grossest of bets. I, I'm in with the syndicate. We'll see what happens. I'm taking Tennessee minus 2.5. Well, also, I, I mean, Mike Vrabel historically against against the the Colts he's played them 10 times now um he's six and four straight up and against the spread but against five this in a row. Colts but five in a row yeah, now he's yeah. five and oh against the spread and straight up against this Colts team in his last five I don't hate that pick currently okay. All right. um my next pick here heading back to the well that's made me some money so far give me the New England Patriots hosting the New Orleans Saints good gross one um plus one they are underdogs they are home dogs uh once again Bill Belichick last week got absolutely embarrassed. I'm expecting a huge bounce back game for him against a team that a New Orleans team that I, I really just have a lot of questions with this offensive, what they're, what they're doing on offense. <laughs> just in general, yeah, this offense, I have a lot of questions. Offense, all of um, it, yeah. Derek Carr still with that AC joint sprain dealing with, uh, I don't expect the same Alvin Kamara, but it's going to get 13 checkdowns um, to Alvin Kamara this 13 week. 13 checkdowns last week to Alvin Kamara, in which one of those receptions was for 11 yards. So when you really think about it, it was like 12 receptions <laughs> Did you for see like he, 20 yards. He was the first player in 
league history to record 13 or more receptions and less than 70 yards. And he only had 33. He cut it in more than half. It was it was crazy, man. And I, I just think that this is an inefficient offense with a bad offensive line currently. I don't I don't think Bill Belichick is going to let this game get out of hand. I think this is a game that they can win. Derek Carr also has just not been good on the road uh, since 2017. He's 19-31 and two against the spread on the road. Um, he's the least profitable road quarterback against the spread in that span. There's been 123 quarterbacks in that span, and he's 123 of 123. Um, I, I'm looking for New England to bounce back here. I like that pick. I've been a little long-winded so far, so I'll keep the next two relatively brief. I really like the Rams in this spot. They're going to be my fourth pick in the Week 5 Best Bet Gauntlet. Give me the Rams plus 4.5. They are at home hosting the Eagles. The handicap here is pretty simple for me. The Eagles look like uh, for I mean, and credit to if your team can do this, this is the this is the dream. They are a team that is kind of struggling to do what they want. They're having a, a hard time, some inconsistencies, and they're four and They've not looked they they have not looked great for a four and team, but they are four and nonetheless. I think that this uh, Rams team is su- surprisingly good this year. Then they're capable in the trenches is where it's really holding them back. And if the Eagles manage to ruin the, the day of the offensive line of the Rams, then that might just ruin this bet. But as long as they can sort of sort of hold up, Matt Stafford's been dealing back there. He's looked like vintage Matt Stafford. He's looked like he's still got the pop, still got the zip. Looked like one of the best versions of himself that we've ever seen. He's got a stud all-time receiver on his team. And now Cooper Cup coming back. Yes, uh, So indeed. you've got Fuku Fuku Nakua, future Hall of Fame receiver now put in tandem with Cooper Cup. A lot of people talking about how Cup comes back and, you know, there goes Cooper. I kind of think it's going to look a lot like you saw peak Cooper Cup, Robert Woods split there. I've already called Cooper, uh, Puka Nakua a very lame and obvious attempt by the Rams to blatantly clone Robert Woods. And yeah. it, it, he's the player that he, they're utilizing him the same, that they, the same way that they utilize Robert Woods. And so I think that that's going to be one where you see those two ball out together and not uh, in spite of one another. Four and a half is just too much to lay at home. It's pretty simple handicap. Home dog, LA getting four and a half. I think that they keep this within a field goal. Give me the Rams to at least cover, if not win outright and hand Philly their first loss of the season, plus four and a half. Yeah, with my fourth pick here, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers headed to Las Vegas on Monday night football this is one where it's kind of a half vibes pick. So you can give me a, on the, on the vibes pick counter, you can give me a half win okay, or a half currently loss. One and one on vibes um, I do have some reasons why I like this game. Matt LaFleur is five and zero straight up and four and one against the spread with the Packers on Monday night football. Um, he, he's been a guy that has kind of coached his team into winning a lot of these close games so far. Um, obviously this is kind of a, a buy low spot on a, on a team that kind of got absolutely embarrassed last week against a Lions team. But I think that I'd the, say definitely got, I don't think there's anything kind of about it. I mean, that was a at home in front yeah, of your fans, I mean, storied yes, franchise it, it was, to the lion, the lowly, lousy lions, the Motor city kitties. I'm saying season. that's, that's the perspective of these green Bay fans and players. And you know, folks that, that this culture demands better. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Here, here's the thing. I, I just don't think this Raiders team is very good. You don't say. <laughs> I Jim, don't either. Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aiden O'Connell. I don't think it matters. Jimmy I think Garoppolo. this. I think the Packers are just the better team. Um, I think that the Packers are a lot better than what I think betters currently are thinking this Packers team is, which okay. makes this game for me not minus one, but more of a pick'em for them. Here, I think they just went outright. Um, coaching by, mismatch for sure. A coaching I mean, mis- I, mismatch. I think the one thing you could say is, oh, it's a Devonte Adams revenge game. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I think if if the quarterback can't get Devonte Adams the ball in the first place, is it really going to matter that much? I don't think so. So I'm going to take the Packers minus one on Monday Night Football. I like that pick. Uh, with my fifth and final pick of the Week Five Best Bet Gauntlet, I'm taking Arizona plus three, getting the field goal versus Cincy. Another game where you're not getting the best of the number. So if you if at, there may be a, a point in this weekend where you get you get Arizona three and a half, look out for that. Grab it if it's there. But even at the the flat three, I am fine taking Arizona to win this game at home. Josh Dobbs been balling. This is another team. The, the Texans and the Cardinals have been the two pleasant surprise teams for me this year. Not just in their level of play and the execution of their players, but also in the way that their coordinators have been playing. 
or they've been calling and coordinating really, really nice, creative, fun, fresh games, making sure to push the easy buttons for the younger, more limited players. And it's working out well for them. It's paying dividends. I think that's going to continue. I think Arizona is continuing to be feisty. I think the cringe Lord himself, uh, Jonathan Gannon has somehow won over that locker room with, you know, listen, results, results speak volumes. You don't have to be down with it with the kids. You don't have to be cool, hip and, and nasty with it. You can just be a winner. And that's what Jonathan Gannon has. I mean, not, he's been as, as close to a winner, I guess, as you can be without totally being a winner. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I just Cincinnati, it, you it's feel like look right now you, you feel like looking like no T Higgins this week. Yeah. They, they're due at eventually. But is it now? I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of just at the point where I'm going to bet against them until I mean, they show me. They're, show they're me something. Of, show me anything. Also for this pick, they're kind of they're, the Bengals are f- facing the anti-Bengals. Like they, mm. the Bengals are. I wouldn't say anti-Bengals, but the Bengals of last year, the Cincinnati Bengals of this year, are facing the Cincinnati Bengals of last year, in which this Cardinals team, despite all expectations, is now four and zero against the spread. Mm. So I expect mm. them to mm. stay hot. I think this spread um, is a good one. So I, I like that pick for you. Yep. My final pick here of the week five best bet gauntlet, uh, Dallas plus three and a half at big San Francisco. Game. Big game. Um, it is a big game, but since 2021, the Cowboys are 10 and four straight up and 11 and three against the spread in night games. The most profitable team against the spread at night in that span. It's wow. going to be a big game. It's going to be high pressure, but uh, regardless, if this if this Dallas team does lose. It's always an embarrassing fashion where the San Francisco 49ers beat them by a field goal and Dak does something wild and wacky on the last drive of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm expecting much of the same, if not the, the Cowboys to kind of get right and just kind of exercise some demons in this game. Regardless, I don't think that um, it, it is going to be a blowout, kind of the opposite of one of your picks. It is a... Um, a unstoppable force and a movable object, Mm -hmm. a team that is scoring over 30 plus points per game versus a defense that has given up the fewest points in the league. I expect this one to be closer with, with the hook right there. I I like the Cowboys plus three and a half. I think the Cowboys are the side there. The hook is, is what does it for me. All right. So to, to uh, summarize our picks this week in the best bet gauntlet week five, JT going with Pittsburgh plus four and a half versus the Baltimore Ravens, Houston plus one and a half at Atlanta, New England plus one versus New Orleans, Green Bay minus one at Las Vegas, and Dallas plus three and a half at San Francisco. I'm rocking with Miami minus 10 and a half versus the New York Giants, Buffalo minus five versus Jacksonville, Tennessee minus two and a half at Indy, the Rams plus four and a half versus Philadelphia, and Josh Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals plus three versus Cincinnati. That's going to do it for today's show. JT, here is to you and I having another successful winning profitable week in the best bet gauntlet may the best man win this week appreciate those of you that tuned in live with us make sure you're subscribed on youtube at uh uh broadway sports i was about to say hot hot repod that's our social media account um broadway sports media on youtube the broadway sports media channel needs subscribers you're going to stay in digital prison until you post bail okay you got to post bail by hitting that subscribe button it's free you can get out of jail free it's just got to hit that button it costs you nothing please do it thank you very much um, make sure to follow us on social media too at hot read pod on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram. We've got new and more social content going up on those accounts each and every day, which I think you'll enjoy until Sunday evening when we'll go live before or during Sunday night football, recording our Monday show, reacting to Titans Colts. I'm your host, Easton freeze for producer JT. This has been the hot read podcast. We'll talk to you next week.